Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Hello and welcome to our podcast. I'm Lauren Sweeney and I'm your host. Today's guest is going to talk about architecture, but not in the way that you think. We're actually going to talk about designing our lives and becoming the leader and the coach that you are meant to be. Scott has helped nearly 20,000 new business owners and nonprofits with his business partner and started and led through a multi-million dollar business. So he's helped 20,000 of them. That's amazing. And he has extended a growth phase over 10 years of double digit growth, all before he turned 35. He founded Scale Architects to help businesses across the country identify the right growth strategies and find the right guides to get them on the fast track to predictable success and stay there as long as possible. Today, we're going to talk about all the things from being a coach to being a leader to maybe scaling a business. So whether you're an entrepreneur or a CEO of a company, or perhaps you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, we're excited that you're here listening. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Lauren, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. So you're you're from Atlanta, is that right? On the East Coast here? That's right. That's right. Northeast part of Atlanta. Amazing. And you were just telling me before the podcast, you did some traveling. You have three children and an amazing wife. And now we're going to talk about business, but also inside of the niche of leadership, which is something we love to talk about. So tell me a few of the things that you're just excited about right now. Yeah. After doing all of that, you know, that you read in the bio, I, you know, did some soul searching. It's like, what is it that I love to do? You know, I, I was ready yeah. for a new adventure. I was ready for a new challenge. And uh, there's a handful of things, but really center stage for me is getting teams of people to work together. It's something that we've been, you know, trying to do with some degree of success for thousands and thousands of years now. And still to this day, it's confounding many, many groups of people. And uh, there's nothing like being in the room with a group of folks and just seeing the light bulb go off, you know, seeing a team form, you know, not just a group of people, but a team come together. And I live for that. You know, I, I live for those moments. I love that. It's awesome. Especially now, you know, we're talking so much buzzwords of burnout, corporate culture, designing a life you love, like all of those things. And then you have the team aspect and then you throw in like the backdrop of a pandemic and a hybrid work environment or maybe not. Some people are full. So you add all of those dimensions in. How have you you've been doing this work for longer than, you know, a couple of years so how have you seen things change or shift, especially with the backdrop of kind of a pandemic? Yeah, I think the pandemic more than anything accelerated what was already happening. And we were already moving to an information age. We were already moving to online delivery. Uh, a number of companies were experimenting with hybrid work environments or fully remote work environments. Uh, I believe it was Intel or IBM, one of the big ones, had actually gone almost fully virtual and gone back after about five years uh, before wow. the pandemic hit. So I think we're still very much in the middle of a very big experiment on whether or not this hybrid thing works and to what extent and in what ways, shapes or forms. I, I think... Um, 
you know, you've seen the impact uh, in, differently in different industries. Uh, a lot of uh, folks that I work with that are in some type of manufacturing or construction or something, it, it was like, it was kind of a non-issue or it exasperated the home office versus field divide that already existed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think what's more fascinating than, uh, than anything is just the role that it will have on long-term employee engagement. And the numbers have been all over the map. We saw the single biggest increase in 2020 and the single biggest decrease ever in the recorded engagement scores. And uh, the, the concern for me isn't so much the management side of it is, although there's a management implication, I think the, the challenge is one of the top, you know, several of the top reasons that folks stay with an, an organization or love to work there is because of the per person they sit next to they have a best friend at work mm. or they love their boss. And mm. what we've done is put a very big divide between those two things. And uh, that that's concerning for me. I, I'm, I, for one, like working in person. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the weird, I'm one of the weird people who went from, I was working from home as a consultant. You know, I don't have a big team that I have to manage. So I was working from home. My kids came home and I was like, okay, I've got to go find an office. So everyone <laughs> else is leaving offices and I went and found one. Uh, yeah. But I, I, you know, I love working with teams. Um, I, I, and I love doing that in person. There's a huge difference in teamwork, uh, separate and, and together. Um, so it, it'll be interesting. There's also a lot of gains from uh, the ability to just be heads down. Uh, I think for a lot of top producers, they went up. For a lot of people who may have been struggling, uh, it can be even harder. Um, I can get on a number of soapboxes on those issues, but uh, <laughs> I think what's fascinating is to see how it's impacting folks. And, and this is kind of a segue into our topic, how mm -hmm. it affects folks based on their leadership style. And that was one of the first discrepancies that I saw right out of the gate was some folks just went wild. This is awesome. Some folks went, you know, this is great. And then it went terrible. You know, some people just went straight to terrible. And uh, and I, I think that is where we can see the story behind some of the numbers. You, you kind of add all of that together and you get this average, but no one person is actually that average. Right. And uh, and so. I, I think that's the more fascinating thing. I think what it allows us to do is tailor the work environment around those styles. And I, th I do think you'll see more intentional and deliberate ways of using a hybrid environment for that. I love that. So talk with me. I hear a lot of times people will say, I'm not really a leader. You know, I'm good. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's great that we need people at all levels, people who want to lead, people who don't. But would you say there's some innate leadership qualities? You don't really need a title, whether you're an entrepreneur or you work in a company or you own a giant company or a small. Let's talk about that. And then you mentioned the word coach. Now we can talk about hiring a coach and all of that, which both of you, you and I both do that. But I'm talking about like actually being a coach inside of the workspace that we're in, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, on that note, just real quickly, I think the best way to learn something is to teach it. You know, we, we just did a webinar a couple months ago on how to build a mentoring and coaching program inside your organization. 
Uh, if you want to keep great people around, you you've, it, it's an essential now. You know, it was a nice to have for a lot of organizations, essential for some. Uh, I would argue that the number of folks who must have a vibrant mentoring and coaching program inside their organization with their own people is is double, if not triple, what it was mm -hmm. beforehand. But it, it, the the great thing about it is everyone benefits from it. Your mentees or your coachees, they benefit from having someone bring them up in the organization. Um, there's all kinds of benefits to that, but even more so the mentors, uh, and the coaches, they're the ones who are, are truly benefiting. If I've looked at any coaching relationship that I have been the coach for someone else, uh, you know, sometimes I feel bad, especially when I'm paid to do it because it's like, I'm getting so much out of this relationship, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I think we tend to underestimate that, uh, particularly before we step into, uh, something like that. But uh, let's talk leadership because, uh, I would say, and this differs from a lot of folks, but I'm of the, uh, I'm of the ilk that leadership is something that all of us can do. And I would say it's something that all of us do do at some point throughout the day, virtually every single day, if not every day. And the reason for that is the way that we define leadership at Scale Architects is it is any act, any individual who does something to help any group of two or more move toward their shared goals. Right. That could be anything that could be getting the ball across the line. It could be the coach on the sideline calling the plays. It could be, you know, the stands there that are making the money machine work. You know, all of that contributes. And and what defines leadership is our ability to look and say, what does the group need from me? Uh, we have uh, uh, something that we call the enterprise commitment that really embodies it. And it says uh, basically that uh, whenever I'm in a team or group environment, I'll put the interests of the enterprise ahead of my own. That is really the essence of leadership. And no position is necessary for that, right? The only position that's necessary is that you're part of the group. You're part of the team. And if you are, there's something that you can do to help. That can be anything from picking up the phone and reception to making the long-term strategic calls from the C-suite and everywhere in between. So uh, some people make really big differences between leadership and management. And I think in the way that those two words are often used, there is a difference, but I don't see them as a hierarchy. Uh, I think a lot, just as many organizations struggle from a lack of solid management, if we use that word, as they do from uh, 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 solid leadership. And I think a lot of that comes from the separation of the two, mm -hmm. from making one better than the other uh, in, in either direction. So again, leadership, I think it's something that all of us can do. And because of that, all of us have an innate leadership gifting. You know, uh, that 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 true, like that sweet spot, that flow state, we all have that. And it's absolutely essential for us, for the value of our teams, for the productivity of our teams, that each of us be free to tap into that potential. Mm, I love that. I uh, Let's take the coaching aspect, us as a leader, us mentoring a team. What about just even ourselves? Let's shift it to a, maybe even a self-coach since we have entrepreneurs on here as well. And I know you've helped several and yeah. help support business owners. What would you say are some good places to start even asking ourselves, especially as we start this new year? Yeah, uh, there's so many different ways you can go with that. I would say first and foremost, uh, in my life and, and in the coaching work that I've done, where we start with is identifying what that style is. What is that wiring, right? How, you know, 
how does your brain tick? How, how do you function? What excites you? What fires you up? And what we found is that there's four different styles. There's four different ways that we show up as leaders. And most of us are a combination of two or three of those styles. And identifying what that is is so important because once you understand what it is, you can start to play to those strengths right? If I don't recognize that, you know, what I do naturally, other people have to, they struggle to do that. I'm going to downplay the value of that, right? I'm going to think, oh no, I got to do what everybody else is doing. That's not necessarily the case. And two, it'll also help us to start to understand what are those default strategies that we're using that are not helpful? Where are those places that instead of owning our leadership style, we're allowing our leadership style to own us? Because it's there, it's those blind spots that we will quietly undermine our own success. I love that. So really having first an inventory, and I know you have a quiz we can take to talk about our style, knowing where we're at and knowing if it's a value, like a value add or something that really we shouldn't play to. And so it goes back to emotional intelligence too, yeah. right? Having that self-awareness. Talk with me. Let, let's do that. If somebody wants to find out, how do they find out their style? Where can they go? Yeah, absolutely. So they can go to scalearchitects.com slash styles dash quiz, scalearchitects.com slash styles dash quiz. And there there's about, it's a 10 minute quiz. It's real short. Um, and basically you just go through and answer a handful of multiple choice questions. And what it does is it produces a report for you that, that will give you your unique style combination because everyone's is a little bit different. And, you know, sometimes when we look at, you know, different uh, tools like this, we'll see, okay, there's a style that's a visionary. Well, I'm not quite a visionary, or there's this other style that's a process. I'm not quite that. What we do here is we give you a score across all of all four parameters. So you can see, okay, of each of those, how much do I naturally show up with? And, mm. uh, and, you know, based on that, what are the things that I would love to do? What are the, what are the challenges that I need to look out for? How am I seen by team members who don't share that same style? And you'll get all of that with the, that free assessment. Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. So we should definitely check that out. Let's go into a couple of hacks, we could yeah. say, for people. So let's say in the new year, a lot of people are thinking of a career shift, a pivot, either becoming better in what they're already doing or starting something new. And I know you've helped a lot of people with that. What advice would you give there? Again, I'm going to go back to that style because it's a big, uh, a big thing, and and this is a little bit of a Debbie Downer, uh, but it's really important to say a lot of folks are not cut out to start their own organization, at least by themselves, and that's not fun to say. I wish it wasn't true. You know, I, I don't get anything from saying that. But what happens, especially in times like this, where there's economic challenges, uh, where things are getting shaken up, what we see is a, a dramatic spike in the number of new organizations that are started, followed by an even more dramatic start spike mm. in the failure rate of those organizations. Yeah. So, you know, in a good in good times, about eight in 10 new startups will fail uh, about 80 uh, percent. It's you know, it's it's a stunning statistic because it's like new organizations are starting all the time. It's like, well, new organizations are failing all the time as well. So it, it's a challenging thing to do. And and we a lot of folks in my position do a disservice by making it seem like it's just this wonderful mm -hmm. be your own boss thing. 
doesn't actually mm -hmm. work like that. It's very challenging. Rewards are there. And those 20% that make it, it's wonderful. I love entrepreneurism. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur myself. I can't help it. For those of us who can't help it, it's, yeah. it's worth the pain. Uh, but if you can help it, if you can avoid it, more often than not, if I have a friend come to me and says, hey, I'm thinking about starting something mm -hmm. and, and we really get into it, my advice is if you can help it, don't, right? Mm -hmm. Don't start your own, like, it, because you're not going to be able to get through that challenging period that filters out so many folks. Times like these, that number goes up to uh, uh, about 19 out of 20 will fail. Wow. So only about 5% make it through. Now, the 5% that make it through go on to do amazing things. The number of billion-dollar businesses that were started in the wake of the 2007-8 crisis is just outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would argue wouldn't be possible without what they got through to make that happen. However, they are the exception, right? One in 20 yes. is, is most certainly an exception. So th that's the first. If you can help it and, and you can do anything other than start a business, from a guy who loves starting businesses, help start 20,000 of them, don't, right? Now, if you can't help it, what do you do? What we typically find is folks who can't help but start their own organization uh, and stand a chance of succeeding will typically have a lot of the visionary style, right? They're, they're idea people, that they love the big picture, 10,000 foot view, they love starting things, you know, everything's an opportunity. And, and it's just, you know, that's just the way they're wired, they can't help it. And oftentimes, we find them succeeding, but feeling trapped inside larger organizations. And so those folks, they come out, they start their own organization. Now, they are the ones who genuinely stand the best chance of succeeding. Of those that, that succeed, the vast majority of them have at least one of these visionary type in, uh, individuals. But the visionary themselves is not able to do it alone, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what we find, again, in successful organizations, what gets them out of that early fight for survival as a business is that they get a visionary and an operator working together, visionary style and an operator style. Now, some of us have both of those and, and that's great for getting started. There's some, some uh, setbacks that can come later from that style, but most of us have one or the other and need to go out and find someone to do it with. And so while partnerships are hard, mm. you know, the hardest relationship I think is a marriage. Second hardest is a partnership in business. Yeah. They're just tough. It's real relational stuff. Uh, it's life, you know, life is on the line. But if you can find that combination either through a partnership or from hiring someone or some other creative deal, that's the best way to go about doing it. If there's someone out there listening to this saying, mm -hmm. hey, I think 2022 is the year to do it. And I just don't see any other thing that I can do, then that's it. Go for it. You've got my support. We've got tons of free resources for you. Uh, but make sure that you work that visionary and operator mm. style. If you're an operator, find a visionary. If you're a visionary, mm. find an operator. If yeah. you're not, if you have a lot of processor or synergist, the other two styles, there are other options for you that can help you get some of the change that you're looking for. And I would recommend pursuing a different route. I love that. I, I find that, you know, our, our CEO and founder, Netta, we kind of found each other and now work so closely together. And I, they, I'm there, you know, sort of supporting the operations and she's the visionary. And I love that there's synergy in that. And it helps because it's, yeah. it's lonely being an entrepreneur yeah. too. Yeah. And so I, I love the realistic 
approach. And maybe it's a great time to be your own best coach and find out what am I really talented at and how can that serve me? And what's my resilience muscle going to be like and my tenacity? Because same, you know, I've been in business for 20 years and that muscle and building it. I love that. Yeah. Well, we love to kind of ask a question towards the end. What does rise up for you mean to you, Scott? Yeah. I think more than anything, it's, you know, uh, it it's really becoming the leader that you can be mm-hmm. and take out again, you have to take out all the position stuff, right? And all the sense of kind of hierarchy, like it doesn't matter how how much of a hierarchy or how little of a hierarchy, I don't care about any of that. How can you show up to contribute to the best for your team? That may mean that you're the one taking notes in meetings, right? It may mean that you're the one who's saying no when everyone else is saying yes. It may be that you're the one who's saying, hey, we have to do this when you see something that nobody else does. Whatever that is, you have a unique gifting that most other people do not have. That They have a gifting, but it's a different one. And, And the glory of a team coming together and really becoming a team is where each person is freed and empowered to use that gifting. I love that. It's a different twist than most people will say, but again, it goes right to your brand, right to the leader, your experience and everything you've done. So definitely check out his website, scalearchitects.com and the quiz that we talked about slash styles dash quiz. You can find it all there. Well, Scott, thank you for being on the podcast today and happy new year. Absolutely, Lauren. Thank you very much. Oh, fantastic. I love those kinds of deep conversations about leadership and coaching and business and all of it. Well, if you're listening and you need a little pep talk yourself, how about a free confidence kit? You can download it for free on our website, riseupforyou.com slash confidence, or text us the word confidence to 949-416-0671. I'm Lauren Sweeney. I'm your host of the Become Your Best podcast and webinar series. We'll see you next time on the podcast.